Welcome to the Hypergen Founders Podcast, the show where we explore the minds behind the innovative companies. I'm your host, Kian. I'm your host, Alex. And each week, we'll dive into conversations with visionary founders. From garage startups to global enterprises, get ready for inspiration, insights, and the secrets behind their success. If you're curious about how these visionaries are turning their million and billion dollars ideas into reality, then this podcast is for you. Stay tuned for engaging discussions on technology, innovations, and leadership. This is the Founders Podcast. Let's begin. So we have our guest, Ina Gavazova, the CEO of Kashu Video Marketing. We've Hi. been working with Ina for a while. Basically, Kashu helps SaaS comp- and tech companies reach a wider audience, increase their sales, and maximize traffic to their website through video animation. Welcome, Ina, to the podcast. Hello, thank you very much for having me. And we it's also have our co-host, Kian. What's the story behind your company and the name of the company and why you picked it? The name <laughs> doesn't mean anything. I will uh, tell you about the name as well. I started as a freelance uh, animator, a freelance motion designer. And uh, it's a fun story because I used to be a YouTuber uh, in Bulgaria. Uh, actually, one of the first YouTubers in Bulgaria, which was funny because I didn't know what I was doing back then. But because I was editing my own videos, my own vlogs, I, uh, I had this passion for video. I'm mostly video editing, but then I wanted to start earning some money. I just wanted to basically do what I love and make money out of it. But I was really young. I think I was 16 or like 17 when I started. So I had time, obviously I was living with my mom. So I didn't really needed that money uh, back then, but I just wanted to do it anyway. So I started learning about animations and I'm actually a self-taught animator and I was working through these freelance platforms. And at some point, my clients wanted to have something custom made. And so there was the need to hire a designer and there was then the need to start the company. And then slowly we started hiring new people. We changed the process. So it's a long journey. We continue to change our process and the way we work in the last seven years. And you always have to keep improving everything to fit the market and the needs. The story behind the name is not interesting because it doesn't mean anything. My goal was to find a word that doesn't mean anything in English, especially because you write it with a K, not with a C. So it's not really the nut. But I wanted to have like a buzzword kind of name, like Tinder or something that doesn't mean anything. And I didn't want it to be related to motion graphics because I thought maybe in the future we want to expand our services. So it wouldn't make sense. And that's about the name. About the B though, that's interesting because to me, it symbolizes hardworking, passionate systems, processes, this whole structure. I really resonate with the structure of bees and also ants. So that's why I chose B. The fun story is that our senior designer back then, we, we were just me and him back then when we started a company. He was the designer, I was the animator. Uh, so he told me he had this dream of bees everywhere on billboards. Imagine New York City, right? And then the bee logo is everywhere. But that was <clears throat> before I even tell him about my bee idea when we were creating the branding. It was interesting. Something was there. And he designed the bee based on how he saw it in this dream a while back. So that's the story. And then this is our bee that you see behind for half of it. That bee is very special. You also said like a buzzword. 
Like as the business has evolved, what has been the most interesting parts of all? I'm guessing initially it was probably like working on the individual animations, but now maybe like managing the team. Exactly. I think managing the team right now, I'm focusing a bit more on that end, also on sales. But I think the most difficult part was to find the right people, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even mean it in a sense of every artist has its own style, because that's true as well. I mean it in a way to connect with people in a way that's meaningful and also allows you to work as a team on a common project that not everybody always likes because it's difficult when you're a creative person and you have to create something cool and just creative and you don't always resonate with the product or the message so there's this fine line and it's very it's interesting how to handle this as a creative director how to communicate with these people and how to create a a team that is there, like every, everyone is there for each other. Because that's the essential with us, like we have a design team, an animation team, and they all have to work together. Otherwise it won't work. So we yeah. have to be on the same page. Yeah, I actually studied in art school and by default, creative people, they're more disorganized. They're not as business oriented. So I'm guessing it's even extra hard to keep them organized and then on track. What are the type of people you look when they're creative or some of the other qualities you look for in a good team member? The the first thing is obviously the portfolio. I never look at diplomas or certificates even. That's interesting because when we are hiring, people always send us these motivational letters and certificates. I don't really care. I'm a self-taught animator myself. I don't have a master's degree or even like bachelor degree. I don't have anything. So this is not important. The important thing is for you to be able to work with the program and to be creative. That's one thing. Obviously, we need to see the quality. I think it's something in the air, although that sounds very abstract. When you communicate with this person and you know if you are going to bond and uh, it's like this feeling. It's a feeling. And we are a small team. We are five people here in the office seven in total so it's not like we have this huge corporate team to handle the operations and hrs and everything we do it together and then we just communicate and we talk to each other do you like this person do you think you can work with him or her that's how we decide do you think that you can replicate the same atmosphere or same dynamic when you guys let's say double the team size what what do you think would be the challenge I don't think we'll be able to keep the same dynamic, no, because we're really close with the team. I think when, if we double, although that's not something I really want to do, maybe have like different departments, uh, but further down the line, I want to just keep, keep my company up to 10 people max so that we can still have this dynamic. I think the challenge there would be communication again, and uh, making sure we are aligned on the project goals and still being creative at the same time. When we grew to a larger size, what we did was we just replicated the same setup that you had with five, 10 people. Because I agree, the more people you add, it's the bigger the mess it becomes. For your, for initially, you started off with the different types of clients. Now you're very SaaS focused. We've talked about that you're exploring other targets. How did you identify your current target? Yeah, this is based on the the market, I would say. And also the fact that I'm really passionate about new technology. 
And I think that's why we target SaaS companies. So we just saw that most of the requests we were getting were from SaaS companies and tech companies. And since naturally I'm drawn to this topic as well, it was no brainer. The type of clients changed and keep changing over time as well. Uh, like based on a lot of things. When we started, we were really cheap. Obviously, the process was different. The type of clients were different. The rejections were different. Everything was different. And now it will be over time. It's a completely different process with different type of people. Would you say there's a reason working with them because maybe you enjoy working with them more? Because what we've noticed, let's say with SaaS versus traditional businesses even, they're normally a bit more sophisticated. So open to more ideas as well. In general, they're easier clients to work with. The SaaS market, you mean? I think so. They're also most of the time really innovative. And as I mentioned, I'm really yeah. passionate of being able to help them communicate that with the world because I'm, I, I think it's a great idea. Like 99% of the time, I think it's a great idea. And I think they feel it. And also they're really easy to work with. It also very much depends on how passionate you are to solve their problem. Yeah, uh, and that's how they become easier to work with because they start trusting you. Yeah, I completely agree because I feel as an agency, you're always helping them either sell more, market themselves more. And if you don't believe in the product, basically, like you said, if you don't believe in it, it's not going to be as powerful. Whereas if you truly believe it, especially if you're in something as creative as what you guys are doing, I feel like it's going to show a lot more in the video. And there's a really fine line there between being able to to say no sometimes. I, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a completely different topic. If you're not passionate enough, I don't think you should take the project in the first place. Just because you lose your time, you lose their time. And at the end of the day, nobody would be satisfied with what you did. Mm -hmm. so. so you turn down clients if you're not 100% in what they're pitching yes most of the times when i turn down clients it's because of their attitude honestly because i feel like when we're when we're talking to founders they're really passionate they're passionate about their product they want people to know about it if i'm not sensing this trust and that, that can be something really minor sometimes but i can already see that this is going to be a nightmare project someone not taking you seriously or having this weird attitude with you because of that you won't be passionate enough and because of that you do a shitty job but yeah to answer your question most of the times it's because of the attitude that i'm sensing sometimes so it's not so much about believing in the idea it's more like how they treat you which makes you believe more maybe. yeah exactly i'm trusting the company and the idea but i'm also all about people most of the times i can see that even if something is a good idea not a great like the best brilliant idea in the world but i can see the team is so passionate and i see the people are great so i believe in the people that they're going to market it and create something really interesting i would summarize it's more about the people we've seen that too and i've talked with a lot of people that say the same ideas change all the time markets all the time too but the team it's once you have it you can conquer the world with them if it's the right people. Yeah. I think Gary V, someone recently said the, <clears throat> the best currency right now is people. <clears throat> it used to be time money. This is how I feel right now. The no, resource is the best resource, not currency. Sorry. It wasn't the currency. It's the, the best resources right now. This is just people. Yeah. And especially as I feel like both as like a B2B service business, we're very 
re reliant on our people. So we probably even see it more. Like basically if we didn't have all the amazing folks we're working with right now, we wouldn't have a company, right? So what makes you guys different from all the other animation studios out there? I think it's uh, mostly uh related to the way we treat every project uh, technical stuff as well we draw everything by hand it's custom animation blah blah these are technical things but this is all if i have to summarize it and see the big picture here it's uh just our approach and attitude towards each project so the way we work is we want to partner with the client and not just be a production studio i think it's a big differentiator there it's not you have the whole idea scripted you give it to us and we create it because that's just boring to us and doesn't solve the big problems that we want to focus on. So to us, it's like a, an artist or a, a company comes to us and says, I have this super amazing product. And now I want people to understand what we're doing, what we're selling. And the power of animation is that you can create anything you like, literally, because you can film a unicorn. You can create anything. So what we do is like an extensive research at the start so we can really understand the client we can understand the pain point and try to get in the shoes of the target audience which i don't think a lot of companies do i think most of them are more like a production studio while with us you come with a problem and we want to help you solve it in a visual way that can be really challenging sometimes we rely to to our clients to give us feedback and give us guidance we just want to do the research, present, present it to them. Most of the times they agree with what we suggested and then move forward rather than having them do the heavy lifting themselves to explain to us everything in detail and take their time. Uh, we just do it. We present it. Do you like it or not? If you do. And this is all done for free, by the way, before we even get the production started. So I think this is a major thing. And the other thing is the people who work with us are really passionate. I would say really passionate and always there to help. That's our mantra. We are here to help. We are really hardworking. Let's just create something cool together. Wonderful. And then for that research part, that's interesting. Whatever you do, if it's a good looking website, it's a good looking animation video. I think it matters that you do it for the right audience. Because at the end of the day, they're going to use that video to increase their sales, increase their conversions or whatever. So it has a certain goal. How do you go about the research that your team does? What materials do you guys look for? The first thing that we do, we still have a workshop call. We ask them the important questions. They tell us about who they're targeting. They tell us about the industry, just some things that we just can't possibly find online. Just some pointers to get us to the right direction. And we ask all these important questions that every agency asks. Your target audience, so what's the main message? Where is this video in your sales funnel? What's the market like and the target audience? And so what we do after that is we, first of all, this is something I do as a creative director. I sit down and I try to comprehend what they're doing if I'm just a normal person. Sometimes the target audience are just medical stuff, for example. So I try to understand it myself. If not, I just start Googling everything to try to, to understand it. Or I ask them if there is something specific. And then from there... The interesting part starts when we understand the product and everything that they do. We start trying to put ourselves in the shoes of the target audience. And that's super complicated sometimes because even the business owners and the founders, I think 99% of the time or 90% of the time, they're talking as founders, even on calls. They're not 
taking into consideration target audience sometimes because they're so into the business and into their own idea and mind. And they're talking about technical stuff all the time, something the target audience doesn't understand, for example. And that's interesting because just to give you an example, to have some context, we are currently working on a like a video about uh, this product that's really revolutionary. So it's amazing product and it's for everybody. Everyone can use this product. It's a physical product. And however, the target audience are decision makers. Um, and this is going to be a sales pitch. They're going to be pitching the idea and uh, they're going to present the video. For example, now it's very hard to put ourselves in the shoes of the board members rather than the consumers, because the consumers will have a different pain point. <clears throat> when we talk to the board of directors, for example, we have to add statistics and talk about revenue and blah, blah, blah. It's difficult to find the right language and the right visuals as well that speak to these people. And then typically what we do is we just <clears throat> sometimes if we know somebody, say, for example, if we know a, a nurse or a doctor here in Bulgaria, we sometimes show them the video or the visuals and we're like, do you connect with this? What do you think? In terms of just the visual idea. Not really specific. So, so yeah, so that's how we go about it. And we then sketch it. So we first do the research, we sketch it, we create the script structure, send it to the client. Yeah, and I can resonate with that a lot. We actually tell our team members the same. Think if you're in the shoes of the audience that you're targeting, how they would feel, how they think. And it's very hard because it can be told at different people. If it's a medical professional, maybe they're higher IQ, they're more skeptical about things. Sometimes if a client is too complex, we would ask them, hey, can you explain your product to us as we are a five-year-old? And yeah. they adjust their language <laughs> here and it's easier to understand. And it still works to this day. Like sometimes we're five-year-old and someone's got to explain it to us. And I think this is a way for us to have an open mind. Keep yeah. learning stuff there. Yeah. It's interesting how these different audiences, they have their own lingo. But that's also the cool part of being in this service business when you work with multiple clients industries that you also benefit from a wide general knowledge that oh, yeah. in your personal life can help in your conversations because you can talk to different people. And we tell our team too. That's the cool side here too. We learn so much when we do this research and concepts. There is always something interesting. Uh, about even the most boring topic. And that's the challenge, by the way, back to your point. Sometimes when I ask them, explain your product or service as if I'm a five-year-old and, and they're like, this is your job. <laughs> but literally, this is our job to do it now. That's why I'm like, okay, go with the lengthy explanation and we're going to turn it into an explainer video that a five-year-old can watch. And then I guess my next question jumping on is how is your approach to building out and developing Kashu to what it is today? Mm, do, you mean, do you mean in terms of process, the team or everything? Everything from processes, to the team, to maybe even how the like videos evolved in terms of quality, how you evolved, I guess, from a freelancer to like now managing a team. The nature and the quality of these videos changed a lot. And I think the process is continuously changing, although the process that we have now has is working. Uh, we changed the process about a year ago and now... I think it's way better, but there's, there are always these little things to refine. Back when we started, we were just working with templates. Back then it was straightforward. You just have the template. I was also learning about animation, so I didn't know how to do them. And over time, we were just learning from our mistakes, basically. Sometimes a client wants to add a scene when the animation is ready. 
So now uh, we have to think about how to present it in a way that's more easy for them to understand beforehand. So this doesn't create extra work for us. And so things like that. For example, the last process update was to add this concept code before we get into production. So that way we have more information up front because that was a problem that we were facing. Sometimes we don't know enough about the the product and we, we can't create a character or a scene uh, with just knowing that this is the marketing tool for B2B businesses. And so that's how slowly we were spotting issues that were, that were causing our team members or the client to, to get frustrated. That's how we were changing the process. And the way the projects evolve is like my dream when I started is to be able to work on projects that I think are significant. For example, big campaigns that uh, for awareness for something that I'm interested in, for example, mental health, uh, or like a big Nike commercial, just big projects and be able to work on them for months and create different concepts and brainstorm about it and working on smaller projects every month, like a certain amount of projects every month. It was just always driven by this idea to create meaningful videos that can have an impact on people. I love that. So basically what you said is you set a process and then it breaks and then you add an extra step, see if it works and then you keep evolving it until there's no leakages. Yes, exactly. You do something, it breaks, it gets fucked up, (laughs) you change it and then you do it again and again. Everybody wants also good, cool clients, but you have to get or go through a lot of clients to figure out who are your good clients too. Like that's oh, yeah. a process that every has to everybody has to go through. Yes. I'm always so frustrated when they talk about this ikigai. Do you know about ikigai? The concept of finding your perfect job I, I or guess meaning? Western culture called North Star. Yes. But it's yeah. the same method, right? You just have to pair it with what you're good at, what the world needs, and what the market wants. Is it the same thing? We actually haven't done it. We should do it for our team, actually. North Star is just like what you're most passionate about. I think Ikigai is just breaking it down ideally how it should be. So you mean like North Star, like just the phrase, right? Is there some sort of a method around it or a philosophy? I think it, it's uh, just a phrase. Ikigai is more structured. It's what you can be paid for, what you're good at what the world needs and what you love. Honestly, I'm a bit frustrated with this concept because it sounds like you have just to write down this, write down that, and then boom, you have your perfect. It's just not how it works. At least from my perspective, just have to go there and you have to work with shitty clients, like the shittiest of clients. You have to work with the best of clients, the most awesome clients that you would have a beer with, and then you'll figure it out. You know what I mean? So it gives you a direction, but it's not like you have it set on stone. This is what I'm going to do because this is not what happens in reality. You change concepts, you change your mission, you change your target audience. This happens, this happens. So I just think you have to be brave. That's it. Just do it. And there's this other concept that I remember uh, seeing before. I don't know the exact name of it. But basically, it was like you draw a bunch of circles. Let's say you want money, then you want peace. It's until you reach whatever your goal is, until you go there, you don't know if you need it or if you don't. Maybe you get rich and you realize, oh, actually, I don't need this. And then you're like, I'm going to go become a monk. And you do that. You don't need it. But you got to go through that for you to realize that whether you need it or not. Uh, 
That's very interesting uh, that you mentioned that because I remember one exercise we did with uh, uh, one business coach that I had a while back. And it was very interesting because we had to, to add our, how do you say that in English? The, so you have yeah. to write your five values that can be whatever, communication, connection, whatever. And by the way, almost all of us, we have the, these, they're like seven or eight. And we just repeat them. Everybody has the same values pretty much. That was the exercise. You have to write down your description. What is happiness to you, for example? What needs to happen in order for you to feel successful? But you have to be really concrete. I want to be working on my projects, personal projects for two hours a day. And that's how I'm going to feel successful. Sometimes it's like people say, I'm going to be successful when I have $1 million in my bank account. But they don't realize that if that's your driver, you, you're going to spend your life feeling, feeling miserable all the time because you're not there and you're always repeating to yourself, oh, I don't have a million dollars. Oh, I don't have a million dollars. The exercise was find the things that will get you to this goal. For example, I want to be disciplined and go to the gym every day. So you can feel happy with the like process. And the interesting part, why I thought of this when you said that, was that pretty much everyone had the same values, but they were justifying them differently. So to me, success is something, to you, success is something else. And I think if you keep telling yourself that you're going to be happy one day, you'll never be happy. You'll never reach that. The goal is really to be happy with where you are. Being more present in the moment instead of thinking in the future or in the past. Yeah, what makes you successful right now? And just love that. And I feel that's also very tough because from all these different medias, someone driving a Lamborghini who's 15 years old, they're making millions. So it also skews your perspective more. And it's very hard for you to not compare yourself to other people. But I know that a lot of people, they say the healthiest thing is compare yourself to yourself. And if you're getting better each day. If you don't love the process, just... You're going to be miserable all the time because you're not where you want to be. Wow, you are probably exactly where you want to be. Just mm -hmm. and I guess as a side question, what do you do to keep your mental health? Because I see you're very focused on that. It sounds like you have a very healthy mindset about it. Do you meditate? I do meditate every day. Side note, I have a side business. We have a mental health app in Bulgaria. It's easy for me to meditate because I'm the co-founder of the app and my mom is a psychologist. So she is the founder and I'm the co-founder. So I'm basically raised with mental health in mind. And I'm really passionate about this topic as well. But I do meditate. And although the app is for guided meditation, my meditation is I just sit down for 15 minutes, turn off the sound of my phone and the notifications and just do nothing, basically. And just try to connect with my body. because. I found that when I'm all over the place, which I am all the time, I disconnect with my body. I'm like, what do you feel now? Why? Where is it in your body? I just literally do nothing for 15 minutes. That's it. It's not nothing. It's just mental exercise, but it looks like I'm standing there like a psycho. <laughs> Especially when you run a business, you have so many things going around you. You have to care about people, clients, and 15 minutes of peace doesn't sound that bad to no, refresh exactly and actually i even do it when i'm which is something i didn't do before and i was really a shock when i started doing it i'm like chill for 10 minutes and, I'm, and you're gonna do it 10 times faster 
And this is true. For sure. Like you just chill for 10 minutes. You don't think about anything. I do it two times faster. I'm not kidding you. Rest just for 10 minutes or even five. Sometimes it gets me the focus I need. And I do it just, just like that. Yeah, it's more like you're angry about not doing certain things, which makes you even more angry. And when you let go of the anger for five minutes, just five minutes, then you're faster. And then I guess moving on to the next question, which is related to this, like what have been the most significant challenges you faced as like a founder? How did you overcome them? Because you've been working on this for a while. So you've probably yeah. gone through a lot of fires. The big thing is just this fear all the time. Because when you have a team, no matter if they're like five people, 10 people, or just one person, you feel like you have to get the work. You have to get the clients. You have to jump on these sales calls. You have to be there for the team. And sometimes you get so lost in the business, for example, animating something and something very urgent. So the amateur can't take it. So I do it. And you feel this need to go find clients to say yes sometimes to things that you don't want to. And I think this is the biggest challenge to really be able to pick your clients. Uh, and I think right now we're where I want us to be. Or like, I think this is the right direction we're going right now. Uh, I think this is the challenge. And one example that I can think of right now is, for example, uh, because of that, you want to make sure clients are satisfied all the time. So sometimes you get in this process of unlimited revisions that's just add up and you're like, no, but I won't charge extra or I'm going to do it anyway because I want him to be happy. While you don't realize that you're not doing him a favor that way because you're not using your brain, you're just using your hands to make the edit because you don't know what you're doing. You're just editing something that he told you or she told you to do. And I think this is the biggest challenge in the creative industry overall, just be able to find the right clients, find the right partners and find a way to communicate with them so that they don't take you as um, a worker, but at the same time, they, they trust you. And at the same time, you have the enough business knowledge, not being an expert, but enough business knowledge to convince them that this is good for their business. Because a lot of times clients take you as the creative or oh, you're painters, you're like artists, so you're messy, but also... We've been working with B2B businesses for eight years, so we know how, how it functions pretty much. So it's this concept um, that mo a lot of clients have, that you're artists and you don't know business stuff. I can see that. And I feel like you'd also be surprised that it happens all the time. I feel like with all types of agencies where if you're running ads, you're writing email, whatever, the client's like, I want to use this copy. I want to use this image. It's because just they're, personal preference. I also feel like it's the type of person and it's tougher when the client is just do it because that's what I'm paying you for. I don't have time to learn it and they trust you. But yeah, I feel letting them know that this change would actually help them and convincing them of that. And at the end of the day, it's something that we have to do because we will help them. Yeah, exactly. Back when we were working with freelancers, we didn't have an office. We were just a bunch of freelancers. It was a way more difficult right now not that much but still and I, I agree with you that small businesses they like to micromanage because yeah. they're used to doing everything by themselves so they can trust you to do it right sometimes that's what you're there for like to yeah. actually help them solve that problem awesome and then another question is what advice and i know this will be very good for you because you're already mentoring people 
but what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs looking to enter like the B2B SaaS or B2B service market? Uh, oh, that's interesting. Just go there and do it. Don't be afraid to try it and don't spend that much time on strategy on writing papers and business documents and stuff like that, especially if you're a creative person, just do it. Just start doing it. And of course, this is important, like the business plan and your strategy and to know where you're going is super important. But I think my point is don't spend 80% of your time writing about what will happen and spend just 20% of your time and then the rest of the 80% just go do it and find out. I think the most important thing is really be passionate about it. If you don't wake up in the morning excited to go to the office, what are you doing? If you're doing this right now, a robot will replace your position in one month, three months, one year. Who cares? But if you're passionate enough, I don't think this will happen because it's just not how it works. I think just find your thing. And then when you find it, stick with it, be disciplined and do it. Like just do it. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe I have a follow-up question. So what would you say to people that are passionate about something, but they're not that good at it? How can they maintain the spark? They have to be good at something, though. Can you give me an example? Even let's say maybe me as a hobby, I DJ, I play music. I'm super passionate about it. And then a couple of years, I stopped playing. And then I came back and I was that good. I still had the passion, but wasn't that good at it. So the spark came back. but some practice, but some people we've seen that if they're not that good at it or they lost their touch, then they lose their passion. Or It's a very um, tough kind of balance to maintain. I, I see what you mean. But I think there is a huge difference uh, because for example, you're doing this as a hobby. Do you want to be a professional DJ? Yeah, after at some point I want to be actually, but that's going to be another aspiration after I think. But that's comes through... Some people, even as the hobby, they're high achievers. They just want to be good at it. Even from people on our team, they really want to be good at it, but they're still not that level. And that kind of pisses them off. But we always tell them, hey, continue with that. Don't worry, make mistakes. Don't beat yourself up. And this is how we've been telling them. I agree with you 100%. I think hard work beats talent like 100%. I've seen it. I've played basketball. I've played tennis. I've seen people just coming with basketball, for example. Just natural talents. You probably know people like that. And then two, three years after that, these people are just getting lazy. And people who worked hard all this time, they beat them. I think hard work beats talent 100%. So to, back to your point, I think if you're disciplined enough and keep doing it, you'll be good at it at some point. I agree. I think consistency is the key. And my girlfriend, she also plays beach volleyball. So she said the same. There's people with insane talent. They literally just go and play in tournaments and they're incredibly amazing. You would think they've trained their whole life, but they just go and play there. But then there's people that they train consistently and over time, gradually, they just uh, get better. So I feel like consistency in the end, you'll always win. You can I translate it to hiring too. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, we've no, seen okay. that with more experienced people, they have their ego in that, in that sense. But then the younger people, they want to beat them or they have a hardworking nature and they're hustlers and they catch up. And this is what we've seen with hiring too. Sometimes we rather have someone younger, more inexperienced with a lot of passion compared to just someone with a lot of experience with mediocre or 
okayish uh, feeling of passion. I even think that working hard versus having a talent is better in a way that just sometimes, as you said, when you're talented, you're sometimes really arrogant and lazy because you know you can do it. And so over time, you just either stop doing it or you're not that good anymore. And you're like, oh, what happened? That's why I think sometimes it's better not to have that much of a talent so that you can work harder, so you can build the, the discipline. And that's the other thing. When you work that hard, you build yourself through it like with it. Otherwise, when it's given, you don't have to do anything. So you don't have the character, I think, the, the stamina. Yeah. I see that even if you even have the illusion that you're passionate about something, that helps you to continue. You yeah. need that. You need to be delusional sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I guess that's how all most entrepreneurs would start in that sense. Or we would always have this moment for... Am I an imposter? Am I delusional? Let's just keep going and see yeah. how this goes. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. I think most of the entrepreneurs are delusional. Like just let's just say it. they're delusional. Otherwise, they won't be driven. If they're down to earth that much, they're like, this won't happen. So they have yeah. to be a bit, even a bit delusional. Although I'll yeah. say most of them are really delusional. You have to be crazy. Yeah. Well, many times me and Alex would argue. I would think, Alex, you're too delusional. Alex would tell me, oh, you're too pessimistic. <laughs> this is what balances out there. I think that's how you balance. Before we call this off, maybe how can the audience connect with you? Maybe via LinkedIn or where can they check out your guys' work? Yeah, they can check our um, LinkedIn. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel and our website. Also, they can email me if, if they have any specific questions. By the way, I have two accounts, actually three. <laughs> One is where we can see the portfolio. I have also a, a cashier academy is where I teach uh, young animators how to animate. We have a course on logo animation coming up uh, soon. And then we also have a cashew marketing where we talk a bit more about uh, how to market videos. This is a bit more if you already have an explainer video, but still some people might find it helpful. So you can check cashew academy, cashew company, and cashew marketing based on what you want to learn. And we'll have those links down in the description so they can connect with you. Otherwise, wonderful having you in. I feel like we covered some amazing topics here. Everything from business, then steering to mental health, which I think it's also very crucial. Amazing. I think it was super great talking to you guys. And I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Super excited for like the new things that your guys are going to come up with. I'm going to watch all the upcoming episodes as well. So good luck with uh, the podcast. I think it's amazing. Awesome. Bye-bye. <laughs>